Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Blum, and I am your host of a Pit and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 167. And out of the great state of Iowa, the Hawkeye State, even though three teams in the big dance, three teams headed home on the men's side. And unfortunately, uh, three teams on the women's side, and two of them have headed home already, unfortunately. The only... The only Hawkeye State team left standing is is the Hawkeyes themselves and uh, Kate and Clark, Caitlin Clark. So uh, when folks hear this, they'll they'll know whether or not uh, Iowa has moved on to the Sweet 16 on the women's side of things. But we have Aaron Dose, the head boys basketball coach at North Polk High School, uh, and we're excited to have Coach on here today. Uh, before we get going, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who's struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Check out their practice at COSACchiro.com. Uh, just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, if you're listening, please subscribe. That helps us out. Uh, give us a five-star review. Talk good things about us. We move up in the rankings if we do so, so please do that if you would be willing to. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Coach Dose, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing great. Excited for another another day of March Madness here. Yeah, yeah. We need to, we need to kind of... Uh, get this bad boy taken care of so both you and I can just lounge on the couch here the rest of the day and watch some hoops. So uh, what what have been your observations the first two or three days of the tournament here on, on either gender, uh, men's or women's? Uh, you know, we're starting, uh, I was just talking to some of my staff yesterday, and it's starting to just kind of, we're kind of starting to get disappointed in how physical the game is mm-hmm. um, and just that you cannot score the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I went to the A and M Penn State game. Oh, okay. Uh, I and we were we were we had great seats. And man, it's like I just I don't know how you can score the basketball in some of these games when you can, you know, it's just so physical. And I'm I'm somewhat of a Duke fan, so that kind of Tennessee just worked them uh, physicality yeah. yesterday. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping maybe the scoring can go up in college hoops mm-hmm. uh, somehow. Uh, but obviously, it's still been a lot of fun. You know, yeah. love the love the upsets like everybody else. So, I uh, I've seen a lot of Division One men's basketball up close the last few years, um, and I get it. As I say this, let me preface this by saying that officiating is very very difficult, and basketball officiating is perhaps the most difficult sport to officiate of any of our sports. So let me preface that by by saying that, Aaron. At the same time, I have had a really, really hard time figuring out what is a foul and what is not a foul uh, at times. You, you You got post players, they hit each other, they hit each other, they hit each other. And then on the fourth hit, the the defensive player falls down, and now all of a sudden it's a charge because he decides to fall down on the fourth hit or or something like that. You go in. Uh, you go in, you go to the basket, there's a whole bunch of contact, but the, the defender is vertical, therefore it's not a foul. But if you put your if you put a, a hand on somebody 40 feet away from the basket, it's a foul. Uh, you know, just things like that. I've, I've had a, a really hard time trying to wrap my head around the, the consistency 
of the officiating. And again, I know it's really, really hard to do. It's 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 a thankless job. I, I get it. I understand it. But after seeing it up close and personal uh, a lot here these last few years, that's that's been something that I've had a, a difficulty with. Right. Yep. Completely agree with you there. Yeah. Well, hey, coach, let's let's jump into you here. Let's uh, let's move on from officiating and all these other things here. Um, let's uh, let's let's get going here. And, and, and so uh, we're going to start this out the way that we normally do for for folks uh, that that don't know the Aaron Dose basketball story, your basketball journey. Fill us in a little bit about your background and how you ended up being the boys basketball coach at North Polk High School. Uh, yeah, I I started coaching uh, as soon as I could. I was at I went to Northern Iowa and I coached at a little uh, Catholic school in Cedar Falls while I was in college, junior high hoops, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my first first teaching job was in Southeast Iowa. I went to Cardinal of Eldon, okay. and I was the, the head girls coach right out of the gates at 22 years old, and uh, which was uh, a blessing and a curse. I, I found out 11 years later. So yeah, uh, what what was a blessing about it? What was a curse about it? Yeah, the, the curse that I know now is obviously I, I would have liked to have been an assistant um, for some, some good head coaches ahead of that. You know, I I knew nothing, you know, and when you're 22, you think you know everything. And and now 11 years later, I think I know nothing. So mm-hmm. um, so that that was that was probably the curse. The blessing, obviously, was, you know, I at that time, you know, that and it's still obviously my passion. You know, it was just a chance to to start a program, you know, um, kind of build a program from the ground up. I was there for, for four years, um, and felt like I got some good things rolling. It didn't show with the win loss column, but the youth, the youth program and things like that, I, I loved, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I was young and single single. So you had all the time in the world, um, for all those things. So that part was, was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where'd you yeah. go from there? From there, I went to Guthrie Center, um, and I was the assistant girls coach for a year, and then the the head girls coach for a year. Um, and I was kind of bounced around. I'm from Western Iowa. Uh, I wanted to get back to the somewhat western side of the state, and then uh, met my met my future bride, um, and then we ended up back in Central Iowa because she's from Eastern Iowa. So uh, then I went to North Polk. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just kind of a, you know, suburb, suburb like uh, just north of Ankeny. And uh, I was assistant coach. And then I actually had had a, our first kid, and I went all the way down to seventh grade girls, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was the seventh grade girls coach the, the uh, COVID year. Okay. Um, and we had like a four month season for junior high, and we only played like three games or four games I think you know it was it was wild mm-hmm. um, and then uh, the the head boys job came open there at North Polk and I had worked with those kids um, when they were freshmen and I just felt invested in the program and I had a lot of people reach out um, saying I'd be a good candidate so um, now I've been the head boys coach uh, at North Polk for just completed our second my second season as a head boys coach mm-hmm well, what what I'm really interested about, Coach, is uh, and and I saw this when I when I sent you the email and you responded back to me. 
I, I right now at this point at, at this point of the pot, I could care less about your 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 basketball stuff, any anything like that. I want to know what goes into being the fishing club sponsor. <laughs> nice, yeah. So I started a fishing club mm-hmm. uh, at North Polk. Uh, we actually do some tournaments. There's some other there's some other high school fishing teams in Iowa. Okay, um, we do some tournaments. Uh, it's not. It was kind of taken off, and then uh, it's kind of taken a dip since I got the head boys job, but i got to ramp it up again uh, pretty much right when I get back. Right when basketball ends, we start fishing clubs. So we'll, yeah, we'll start doing some tournaments, and we do some youth some youth things, and there's, there's I love to hunt and fish, so, um, yeah, it's uh it's fun. <laughs> what was a, did you have some kids approach you or was it your idea or was it a little bit of both or how did it all come about? Uh, I've had the idea for a while and I had finally figured out there's like actual fishing teams. And, and then I had a couple upperclassmen that um, really love it. So uh, they got it rolling and it's, it's, it's been a lot on the kids now. It's pretty, pretty student ran. Uh, it's pretty amazing. We have kids that we make our own lures and, um, they kind of run their own tournament and it's it's uh it's pretty fun to see the kids just kind of take hold of it so when you go to fishing club practice are you just sitting out there on a <laughs> boat in the middle of a lake and just hanging out or what are you what are you doing man yeah we we actually don't really have have much practice sure. you know? yeah <laughs> uh, but but we do sometimes yeah we'll we'll meet at a meet at a lake and just kind of fish or get the kayaks out and stuff like that so um, some of the kids have boats and, you know, of course all the kids have, uh, nicer boats and fishing gear than me. So, um, I take advantage of that a little bit. And, um, and then there's obviously some, you know, there's some dads and grandpas that get involved and help out, which is, which is fun. So, oh, yeah. cool. Well, I had to ask, I couldn't let that one go <laughs> w- w- without asking Aaron. So, um, I, I know, uh, I know this predates you as as the head coach there at North Polk uh but uh it, it, it's a great story uh you know and, and it really encapsulates what high school sports should be all about sometimes we get caught up in all the other stuff that unfortunately makes our job pretty hard sometimes uh but but your community experienced a, a really really cool feel-good story uh with a young man by the name of Clay Werner and, and like I said, uh, it, it predates your time as head coach, but I'm sure you're familiar with the story. So, so tell us about uh, the story of Clay. What all went into it? Um, the you know the ripple effect of it all, and 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 so forth and so on. And why why this story is so important to your community? Uh, yeah, Clay. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough I, to know Clay, and I still see Clay a lot at a lot of games. Um, Clay's an amazing, amazing personality kid. Uh, he graduated, I believe it was two years ago. Um, student with special needs, uh, across across the hallway from me in my science classroom. So, uh, ran into him a lot. He's a he's a very knowledgeable NBA fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always fun to argue uh, argue NBA matchups with him. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a part of the basketball team, and and the head coach at the time did a great job. And so did the upperclassmen. Um, they had just kind of taken him in all, all along. Um, honestly, probably since grade school, um, all the way through, and and they kept him as part of the team there. And then uh, I forget who we were playing that night, but 
Um, he did go in. He went in late in the game, the last, you know, senior night. And first jumper he got was, and it was not a, it was like a baseline 17 footer. It was not a, you know, banking a layup. And he, he splashed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just perfect swish, you know, first attempt, bam, you know. Um, and I believe, I believe Clay is even, uh, legally blind. Um, he, yeah. um, so he, he's got some eyesight issues and he just swished the first one. And, um, that, that was amazing, amazing for everybody. And then kind of the, the after, the after effect, you know, he got some, um, obviously some media got, got to talk to them and he loved that. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've given him a, a retired Jersey, all those things. And then this year's, this year's seniors, he was still pretty close with, and he, he came to quite a few games and the boys did a great job. Always, always talking to clay and just a great kid, great family. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it tells you that how big, uh, there's a lot bigger things than sports, but also sports can give us uh, give us some of those moments. Yeah, I was just going to ask what are what are some of the things that you have learned that is uh, with with Clay's story and, and everything that's gone around with it. How is how has this situation made you a better coach? Yeah, it uh, your culture is your culture is a big deal, and we're fortunate enough we have great kids at North Polk, but um, just how important culture is, and that you don't really sometimes you don't understand how important it is um, to kids, whether they play or not, whether they're the star player or not, whatever role they have. Um, you, sometimes you don't realize how important that is. And, um, and I, and I think, I hope that I've done a good job these last couple of years of, of really not taking those things for granted. You know, I have pretty heavy youth involvement and, and things like that, that we'll probably hit on later, but, just, just how important it is. Those little things aren't so little to everybody. So, mm-hmm. coaches, you know what that song means. It's time for the third annual A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. This year's clinic will take place on Saturday, April the 1st at Fort Calhoun High School in Fort Calhoun, Nebraska, just 20 minutes north of downtown Omaha. We've got a great lineup of speakers, starting with three great on-court demonstrations. Dick Jungers, the head girls basketball coach at Newell Fonda, Iowa, will start the day off with the ins and outs of his full-court run-and-jump defense that has led to multiple state championships. Dexter Goodner, the head girls basketball coach at Orton, Nebraska, will highlight his favorite shooting drills and his favorite sets, while Zach Foster, the head boys basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School here in Nebraska, will be showing us his 1-3-1 defense and the ins and outs of the mentality of shooters. One of the unique things about the Appendant and Napkin Coaches Clinic are our lunch classroom sessions. This year, we've got three great coaches giving classroom presentations. Brett Watson, the boys' head basketball coach at Waukee Northwest High School in Waukee, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines, is going to talk about coaching the mental game. Jake Nonnen, the head girls basketball coach at Superior High School here in Nebraska, is going to talk about developing your team and individuals through small-sided games, while Kylie Yates, the boys basketball coach at South O'Brien High School in, South, in Paulina, Iowa, is going to talk about implementing and also attacking the 2-3 zone. 
In addition to our presenters, we also have two designated breakout sessions where you will get the opportunity to discuss various topics with other coaches attending the clinic. These sessions are a great way to pick the brains of your peers at the clinic, and it's one of the most enjoyable points of our annual show. After a long day of learning about hoops, it'll be time to kick back and relax, and we'll be having an optional post-clinic social at the Longhorn in downtown Fort Calhoun, where we will be enjoying the opening game of the Men's Final Four from Houston. It's $15 per coach to attend the post-game social. Our pen and a napkin clinic is one of the most affordable clinics in America. For over seven hours of learning, we only charge $45 for the first coach. Think about that. That's about $6.50 an hour to come in and gather all this great information. If you bring in two coaches from the same staff, we bring that down to $85 for two coaches. $115 for three coaches from the same staff. And if you bring four or more coaches from your staff, it's only $35 per coach. Think of it. That's $5 an hour that you're paying for your staff to come in and have a great day. If you're interested in signing up for our pen and a napkin clinic, look at our flyer on Twitter and mail it in, print it off, send it in. Or you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Registrations are due by Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. Coaches, don't miss out on one of the best coaches clinics in America. Come check out the A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. You know, you, you just brought up your your youth program and your, your youth coaches and, and so forth and so on. Uh, what, uh, how important is it to, uh, especially in a community like yours, your you're you're not a you you're a bunch of, from what I understand you're kind of a bunch of you're a consolidated district am I correct with that Aaron? Uh, yes, yep. But uh, growing pretty fast. We're like the the middle of three A for boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have four four classes for boys, and we're the middle of three A now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a been a shift for me because I came from the one A two A world. Yep. Um, which is obviously, you know, is very similar to small town Nebraska. And, sure. um, you know, like at, at Guthrie Center, I was coaching a third grade girls team twice a week and on Saturday mornings, <laughs> you know, so, so I've gone from that to, to North Polk. Now you have more of the, the city ran things, which is great because you cannot, you know, it's, um, I finally have come to terms. You can't, you can't be as heavily involved as you are at the one, a two, a level, but, mm-hmm. um, we have amazing, uh, amazing, amazing youth parents and involvement. You know, we're fortunate. We have a pretty affluent community and they're heavily involved and always, you know, um, asking questions and things. And we're kind of transitioning from the school youth to more of the city ran youth right now, which is, uh, kind of chat more challenging, honestly, than I thought. Um, but, you know, we keep, we're meeting about it and trying to figure it out, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, you can't always, you can't make everybody happy, but we're, we're trying to have the best youth program for the kids. So, um, when you're talking about that transition, what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? You're, you're from the school to the city. What's, what's all going on with that? Yeah. So, you know, you go back two, three, four years, you know, you'd be getting a random email about a first grade five on five team you know um that you just can't uh, you, you can't you can't handle it all so um there's just we're just working on how can we get 
we have our own youth basketball board, I suppose you'd say. Yep. Uh, so they're they're just trying to figure out, and they've been great about. They know that, especially once the head coaches are in season, that it's just hard for us to to really be too involved with them. So they they've been great. They're just trying to figure out. Um, the biggest thing right now is figuring out the com- competition levels. Um, how do you how do you sort the 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 recreational type experience to the more AAU type experience? Yet they're not paying as much money for the AAU. They can do it through the the uh, the youth club, you know, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So um, it's it's challenging. Uh, we all know the pros and cons of, of the AAU world right now. So yep, yep. Um, I think I think we're just trying to give kind of different levels of experience to kids and families mm-hmm. um, and just, I don't know, trying to do that. But uh, we're growing so fast and there's so many numbers and teams that um, you're just trying to hit a moving target sometimes, which is difficult. Yeah, and, and it is a fine balance, especially when you're trying to keep your, your, your players homegrown. Like you, you would, I'm guessing in your situation, you probably want to keep your North Polk kids playing for North Polk, unless there's some elite, elite player that is, you know, that, that needs to play at a, at a much higher level than what you could offer with your, with your community program. Um, and, and so, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head and I'm guessing there's many, many coaches that are listening to this that are just nodding their heads. When you said it, I'm going to reiterate it. You can't make everybody happy. So you're trying to thread that needle with, uh, you know, trying to make as many people happy as you can while knowing that everybody is not going to be happy with what you do. And if you, if you do that, then you've done about the best that you can. Don't you think coach? Right, right, and and one way, one thing we've tried to do the last couple of years, um, and our our head girls coach has been phenomenal. They've had a ton of success. I think he's been, I don't know, state tournament six out of eight years, something like that. State runner up three times. Um, so we do a we do a youth coaches clinic mm-hmm. uh, about October, uh, beginning of October, and basically we just run through run through some drills, bring our high school players in and just kind of give them our main, uh, main philosophies. Um, and I think, I think some people, uh, appreciate that, you know, it gives them a starting point. And then if, you know, there, cause another thing with your youth coaches, you have anywhere from, you might have a former division one player to a mom or a dad that never played a sport in their life. And they're yeah. just helping out cause no one else will coach. Yeah. Uh, so you you have to again hit all those levels just like you do with the, the kids that are playing. So we try to do that clinic, um, and it's been so so. You know, I hope I hope we keep improve, increasing um, involvement and in numbers. Um, but I, I know the people that do come appreciate it. So that's been a good starting point for us. What uh, what have been some of your biggest challenges with working with your youth coaches? Um. I honestly haven't had, I haven't had many like exact. And, and when I say when I say challenges, let me clarify that question. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you've tried to educate your coaches about what you want and educating them about the game, what are some of the things that you have had to 
what are some of the things that you've seen with your youth coaches that they need educated the most on when it comes to the game? Is it is it shooting drills? Is it the, the X's and O's? Is it press breaks? Uh, defense? Whatever it may be. That's what I meant by that question, Aaron. I, I, yeah, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that very well. So. No, you're right. Honestly, one of the things I, I try to emphasize is if you have an hour in the gym with your kids, what does it look like? For like your basically your your practice plan, um, or if you have forty five minutes in the gym, you know um, what does that look like? And you have to be careful because again, uh, I also don't expect the the third grade boys coach to roll out a, a practice plan that looks like mine, right? Sure. Um, but uh, I just wanted to be aware of you know how many out of the hour, how many of those minutes did you do? form shooting how many of those minutes did you do ball handling how many of those minutes did you do five on five you know how many of those minutes were fun um mm-hmm. what's the what's the kid going to remember after the fact um did you just run kids with no purpose because i don't even do that at the high school level mm-hmm. uh you know so what what's a kid going to actually remember you know little things you know end with a end with a goofy fun drill and that'll be what most remember you know they're not going to remember that you made them do the shell drill uh the first five minutes of practice you know yeah. um there's just little tricks to to use and i i'm pretty confident in my youth background i've done a ton of camps uh i've traveled the entire u.s and done camps and things so i i feel pretty solid with the the level of youth that we need compared to small town compared to you know inner city or whatever it is so um anyway so just getting them aware of what they're doing with their kids uh now to actually uh have those conversations is not you know cannot be fun sometimes if you drop into a practice and you see a you know a fourth grade coach running kids you know wind sprints you know and and, or whatever like that i'm not saying that's easy um but uh but they're conversations that need to be had because it's your program Exactly. So, and I, and I still am a believer. I know we're a bigger school. I'm still a believer, you know, that the kids, one thing I say is like the kids should know who I am, um, you know, by third grade, you know, if I'm walking the elementary hallways, third grade and up is, is pretty much, um, and we even do some first and second little clinics and things, but, um, they really should start to know who I am. Um, they should know who our high school players are. Uh, we do some reading at the elementary schools with our, our varsity guys. And that, I mean, that's been huge, you know, um, and obviously having success and making the state tournament and that obviously helps, uh, but they, they should know who I am. Um, which especially after this season, I think that's made a huge impact with the success we had in the, in the elementary reading program. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, first big run this year as a head coach, uh, made a run to the state semifinals. Uh, you know, what did, what was that like for you? Uh, you know, getting down to the well and, and actually winning a game and, 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 and just, you know, taking it about as far as you possibly could with this group of guys. What, what was, was that experience like for you? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I was, I was so happy for our guys and, and our coaching staff. Um, and you truly realize how much of a tournament it is, um, you know, almost like 
almost like March Madness. You know, you got to, I think you got to win six in March Madness and you got to win six mm-hmm. in 3A. We got 64 3A teams. So, yeah. Um, and, and we won four, right? We lost the fifth. And it was like, man, um, you realize, and we've always known, you know, your margin for error is so slim, especially with us in 3A. If we played a ton of games within five points. Um, so we were, we felt pretty weathered. Um, and then we, we, we upset, uh, in the sub-state game, we upset, um, the one seed in our sub-state and then, uh, went down the state and also won one and executed, uh, you know, we had eight days to prepare for that first round game. We found out how, obviously how big that was. Um, and then even in that semifinal, we held in against the number one team. We played them close for, you know, we felt like 29 minutes and we just, um, we had a little, little drought and that, you know, against that level of team, you can't, you can't have a two minute drought or yeah. three minute drought. So, yeah. um, but, uh, was so happy for our guys. It was so fun. And, um, and the community, we had great support. Our girls had just went to the state championship game the week before. Um, so just North Polk basketball was, is, is in a flourish right now, which is awesome. Yeah. What, uh, what are some things that you learned? from making this run? Well, I learned how valuable um, our staff is, that's for sure. So I, I've been very fortunate. Um, we have four assistants, uh, five of us total, which is amazing um, because we have close to 60 guys out. So, um, but just just utilizing your staff and they, they took on great roles and obviously the preparation and scout piece is so important. Um, come postseason when when it becomes such a tight window um, and every possession matters. Mm-hmm. And then just enjoying it, you know, everybody kept telling me, you know, don't, you know, because I called a ton of coaches throughout the way. That's like one thing I, I feel like I have a lot of humility. So, you know, each, each round we're advancing, I'm calling coaches and asking, you know, and then when we made the state tournament, I called – um, I called Coach Rankin from DCG, who won 3A the year before, you know, and I just, um, what advice you have for me, my first state tournament as a coach, you know, and um, I just kept calling people. We brought brought some old, uh, we always call them old crusty guys. We brought some old crusty guys <laughs> in practice. Um, always talking to guys I used to coach with and, and just taking as much advice as I could um, along the way and, and um, just people ask if you're you know i think i was more nervous for the sub-state game mm-hmm. uh, than, than the uh state games um just in well people ask why well you don't know when you're going to get back you know and yep. as as fun as it was you still have that in the back of your head right oh are we get, when are you going to get back and could you have one one more game or two more games you know but um those are those are things you gotta live with now but um, it was it was definitely a awesome experience. Yeah, uh, I think you uh, and, and I'm going by memory here. You, you finished about twenty and twenty and six, uh, but three of those losses were to the same team: uh, Bondurant, Ferrar. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yep. Uh, yes. You know, so 
had had a really really good squad, but you you had this this one team that kept kind of getting in your way, including the team that you lost to in the semifinals. Uh, and I, and I've been there. Uh, for me, in early in my career, uh, it was it was South Sioux City. Uh, we had to get through them in the in the district play, and then there's been a couple of other ones along the way. And and you know that can be kind of frustrating where it's just like God, these. This one group, you know, uh, this morning I was watching uh, a rerun of The Last Dance, and, and, you know, Stockton and Malone would have had two championships if it wasn't for Jordan and the Bulls, you know, type of a deal. And, and just that, that team standing in your way. Um, you know, what was, you know, what are you taking into the offseason with that? Obviously, they're not going away. Hopefully, you're not going away. Uh, so, 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 how do you handle that with your squad of, you know, it doesn't take a, a, a genius to figure out that this is kind of the the, the program that's getting uh, that has that has been our roadblock to getting us where we really, really, really want to go. Have you thought about that at all? Oh yeah, every every second since. <laughs> you know, and it goes back actually to how we started this. Um, there was just a point in that game, and and I actually do not. I'm not one to get on officials at all. Um, but there, there's just a point at the state tournament, state tournament in general, if you go in the lane, you're going to get hit, you know, you're yeah. going to, there's going to be contact and it's probably not going to get called, you know, and that's just the way it is. And that, and that's fine, but we have to learn, um, learn how to finish in the paint. I think that the biggest takeaway, um, in that Bondurant game, um, just the physicality at some point, uh, it took over whether that affected us not scoring um, or it affected us, maybe we gave up one offensive board that we, we could have got right. You know, so um, it just, uh, the physicality is, is a big deal. Now, some of that is, you know, obviously we think we can, we can uh, get after a little bit, you know, obviously your off season, your, your weight room stuff, all those things. Um, Some of it is just the sheer size of, guys right you know yep. i mean bondurant had had some great size across the board um but uh we still feel like we we had a chance to to win the game regardless of the size and everything but that that's one of the biggest ones and then uh the other one for me is kind of an odd, maybe an odd one i felt like we were probably one of the worst screening teams in the state tournament for whatever reason okay so when i when we got there whether we're not good at and again, I'm getting into a, a uh, gray area of officiating. We either haven't coached or we're not good at setting illegal screens and getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, no, there's, there's, there's truth to it. There's truth to it, Coach. I hear you. We're, I mean, because we're scouting and we're prepping and we're like, man, they, they just screen the daylights out of you. And that's an illegal screen. That's an illegal screen. Well, they did it for 23 games. Well, they've obviously learned, you know, so credit to them, you know. Um, so I told our staff, I don't, it might've even been before we were done down there. I said, man, I, we have to get better at teaching screening, uh, next season, whether it's, and it's not just bigs, you know, it's, it's everybody using screens or, or setting screens or getting away with illegal screens, you know? So, um, that was kind of an odd one that stood out to me, um, watching obviously the, the elite teams at the state tournament, especially the three, a four, a teams. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. 
Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, Coach, at this time, we are going to transition a little bit. Uh, we're going to get into your basketball philosophy in just a moment. But before we do that, we are going to have our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, and I forgot my Wooden A Lifetime of Observations book at or at school. Uh, so I, I went on the interwebs and looked this one up, and I'm sure it's in Wooden A Lifetime of Observations. Uh, but I don't have it directly from Wooden A Lifetime of Observations. So please forgive me, listeners, for not having an exact page for you to reference in it. So, uh, Coach Doze, are you, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am, yes. All right, here we go. John Wooden quote of the day, yes. Never tried to be better than someone else. Learn from others and try to be the best you can be. Success is the byproduct of that preparation. What do you got for me, Aaron? Oh, I love it. I love it. I actually, uh, I know one of Wooden's things was he, supposedly he never really said the word win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've kind of adopted that. Now I, I'm, I say it sometimes, but um that they just use success instead if we want to have success. And um, one of the things we actually do not do, we do not set uh, like specific goals, like win the conference or yep. go to the state tournament. We actually do not do that. Um, two years ago, I kept asking myself, oh, we got to set all these goals. And my sits were like, no, you don't. You just, you know, just this is your standard and see what happens basically. And, and, mm-hmm. We've done that for two years now, and, and had a lot of success doing it. And we have we never set any, never set any goal, goal specific goal like that, which right or wrong. But that's kind of what we've uh, gone to. So it kind of goes with that mm-hmm. quote. Well, I, I got this from uh, Mike Neighbors, and and I I love Coach Neighbors. He's he's a terrific coach down there, the, the women's coach at the University of Arkansas. And he talked about he had a year where they set these goals, and one of their goals was to, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was to win an NCAA tournament game, let's say. Well, they they did all these things. They finally bust through. They got to their ultimate goal. They won an NCAA tournament game. Guess what happened in the round of 32? They got their doors blown off by 25, yeah. 30 points because they had achieved their goal, and their goal was over. And that, that story has always kind of stuck with me when it's come to goals. Um, we, we, don't, we, we do a lot... Like I said, with standards, we we very rarely talk about goals, but we talk about standards. And if you take care of your standards and any goals that you might have for yourself or for your team in the back of your own mind, those should take care of itself. Is that kind of your philosophy as well, Aaron? Yes, exactly. There's a, I don't know if you've seen any of the, there's, I think it's called the playbook. It's a new kind of coaches documentary series on Netflix, but the U S women's soccer coach says, uh, the top of the mountain small for a reason. You're not supposed to stay up there long. You need to go down and climb the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. Talked about being kind of the overdogs, right? You know, so um, that's kind of a, a cool series I've been watching lately, too. Well, I'm going to have to check that one out. That looks that sounds good. Is it is it just about the women's soccer team, or is it about a bunch of different teams? 
bunch of different coaches and pro athletes. Doc Rivers uh, has a great, great, great one on there. I believe it's the playbook, and it, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. I uh, believe. You, so. sh- you should get some residuals from Netflix then for that little plug, Coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you could go buy yourself some more fishing lures. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, Coach, let's get into your philosophy a little bit here. Um, let's, uh, uh, and this is one that you put on there, and, and we haven't talked much about it um, lately, and so I want to jump all over. Let's let's talk about press breaks, and I think, uh, again, uh, this is going to stick in people's minds right away here, uh, the, the Virginia-Furman game and the way oh, that yeah. ended the other day, uh, Virginia's lack of, of breaking pressure. And you see it a lot in the madness where, you know, teams uh, struggle against against ball pressure. And we as high school coaches have to worry about press breaks because a lot of times we don't have the the naturally gifted point guard or whatever that can just dribble through anything. Uh, It's a different game at that level. And don't get me wrong. I understand that. But we have to worry a lot more. Most of us have to worry a lot more about press breaks than other coaches uh, at at higher levels. So tell us about your press break philosophy. What do you do there at North Polk? I'm just going to let you go, Coach, as, as I often say when we get to this segment. If I've got a question, I'll try to politely interrupt you and and throw it out there. But I'm just going to let you rift on, on press breaks here. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with I'm definitely no expert on any of this stuff, but um, kind of goes back to my humil have some humility uh we had a game in early december we blew i don't know a 12 point lead we ended up winning by like two but it went from like 12 to two it was almost like uh you know texas a&m you and i if you remember that one from oh yep yep that was dreadful um we almost you know and man after that game i was just sick to my stomach like because i tried everything i took all the timeouts i we did screening action, we did cutting, we did space, we did, you know, everything imaginable. We just could not, you know, just because we hadn't practiced it enough. And, and I didn't have, um, I didn't really have a very good set philosophy at that time. So after that game, I, I called a bunch of coaches. Um, I even sent, (laughs) I sent some Snapchats out and I got a bunch of Snapchat videos of all my old buddies drawing up their press breaks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I just took all that stuff and, and, and kind of blended what I liked, but, um, but basically, uh, I want to talk about just, you got to have some base things that you do in press break, but then you also have to have your, your special circumstance. So, um, just kind of some, some base rules. That I think that coaches overlook is first when your guys catch it on the inbounds to turn and face before you dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's kind of a lost art. And we finally, I think got that into our guards um, this year, um, just to catch and face and look down first and take a second. Um, and then something I've stole, I believe it was from PGC at some point, um, which is an amazing, amazing camp. If you've ever been around PGC point guard college, um, they call the, the, the four foot strip around the outside of the court. Uh, they call it a manure strip. Um, which for some of us coaches there, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the restricted area in the small gyms. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, so basically think of the restricted areas um, that you used to not be able to run through, pass through, whatever. But uh, basically you should never catch the ball or dribble the ball into the manure strip 
um, on that perimeter of the court. So uh, we use that quite a bit, and we'll whistle our guys, and uh, it's probably not the most pleasant uh, talk I have with them if they're in that area. Um, but they know they know to stay out of that spot. So um, just I I just wanted to share that it was a cool one I got from from PGC that I've used used all the time. But uh, we see a lot of uh, zone press, especially we started the shot clock in Iowa this year, and I think a, a lot of boys coaches um, went to you know we want to run some time off the shot clock with a one two two or a two two one and then fall back into whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw a lot of that this year. And I just, I learned with that, just in general, um, if you're not trying to score on it, you know, and you just want to get the ball. And for us, we usually slowed the pace down anyway. So we were, we were not afraid of just reversing the ball and, and taking time off our shot clock. That's fine with us. But uh, just to have, this sounds really basic, but to have a three guard front most of the time instead of a two guard front. Um, so just keeping your inbounder basically on the lane line the ball side of the lane line so that's not a flat pass on that reversal and then teaching your guards not to panic and they can a term some people use is like suck up the trap so you can have a guard just suck up the trap and then reverse it and then usually most of most of the presses we see that are three-quarters court um they usually fall back after a reversal or two mm-hmm. uh, now i'm saying all this and we got a 10 second call uh, in the state semifinal game because I didn't take a timeout. But yeah. um, so, like I said, I'm no expert. But but in, in that um, regard, though, Aaron, uh, <laughs> our philosophy and what we preach to our kids, we'd rather have the 10-second call than a live ball turnover because right. you can set your defense. So, yeah, <laughs> you don't want the 10-second call, but we'd rather have that than panicking and trying to chuck something into people and then we give up an easy two points. Right. Yep. And, and in December, we would have chucked it for a – a two-point turnover mm-hmm. um and we say all the time to our guys uh, we call it a pick six turnover like like a football pick mm-hmm. six so we don't want pick six turnovers you know um so yeah just kind of the, the having a three-guard front uh a nice base i i picked up a long time ago um actually as assistant at guthrie center is if you have the three-guard front and you have your two bigs back um if you flash a big to the middle which most people do I, this is nothing new um, to teach them to reverse pivot and throw it back where they came from. So you can send a guard down the sideline where that post just came from, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, so we, we, we go to that sometimes. Um, and just teaching your bigs, too, this was an issue we had, that they have to adjust to the press break so don't, or to the actual press. Um, so if you want them deep and extended they need to stay deep they can't be leaking up and all of a sudden you have five guys over half court you know you have to um, force them to stretch their press out a little bit and I'm sure in that uh, Virginia game and this kind of goes into my man press stuff but I'm sure an assistant or someone told the Virginia guy don't be afraid to throw it deep you know but (laughs) you know we saw what happened but um, in our man press break, we do, you know, we do tell our guys not to be afraid to, to throw the baseball pass, but we have usually we feel like a superior athlete that's going to get that ball. Mm-hmm. And for us, we had two, I think we had two all state wide receivers on the court most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just go high point it, baby. And, and exactly. So if we, if we were in a, a uh, 
desperate, if we were going against what I would call a desperation press, uh, we would always send that, that biggest athlete or best athlete basically in a diagonal, you know, your classic, whatever, one, four front mm-hmm. press break. And you'd, you'd sprint him to the half court circle and you'd throw it up for him and tell your guy to throw it. And he can go get it, you know? Um, so I'm sure in that Virginia game, something like that was said, like, don't be afraid, but I don't, you know, and I know the, I think did he break it off or he was running. He didn't run to the right. I don't know what happened, but he got pinned in the corner. You know, it was, it was an immediate trap. We call that an X trap where guys on the ball and he just follows it and goes traps it right away. It's, it's what you see in the fifth grade Y league every weekend, you know? (laughs) Um, And and then he, he, he panicked and, and he just kind of, you know, threw a a grenade pass that just kind of hung there forever. And the Furman player went and got it and, and the rest, as they say, And, and I feel really bad. To, uh, I can't remember his name, but I know he was a uh, a huge part. I think he was their starting point guard on the team that won the national championship a few years ago. So, I mean, this is a, a four-year uh, experienced wow. player, experienced point guard, the, the the player you probably want to have the ball in their hands. And and yet, you know, unfortunately for this, for this young man, this is going to be – one of the things that he's going to be remembered for for the rest of his career. And I think it shows all of us as coaches that, hey, any of our players are susceptible to making a, a big mistake and a big moment at any time. And I think we oh. need to be conscience, conscious and aware of that as we coach our teams and we prepare our kids. Yeah, yeah. And you just got to do the best you can to prepare them for as many scenarios. Um, now, our guys never take situational practice uh, near as serious for whatever reason we can we can try to make it as real as possible but um, just give them as much you know as many tools as you can um, and I got a, like a couple more man I guess desperation press things mm-hmm. let it rip man it, it's, yeah, I guess, it's your time yeah um, I actually don't so if you have your two guards up um, I actually don't like when teams just stack their two guys I think that's easy to switch and I think it's easy to fold the nine, just the, the little two-person stack. You know, people do it like right on the free throw line. Um, same with if you just screen across like elbow to elbow for your guard. So yeah. I, I've always gone to a diagonal screen. So you have a block and an elbow and your guard's diagonal screen. That way when it's switched, um, you can just seal back and have your person you actually want to get the ball be the screener so they can just seal back and get the ball. And it, it would actually be a, probably against a lesser defender. Um, in that case, so that that's kind of just a, a very. I know it sounds very simple, um, but that's a good one. And then save. Uh, another thing I've learned: save some of your counters until you absolutely need them. So in that case, the guy that sets that diagonal screen can slip it, and he's just basically running a forty-five angle to the half court line um, off of that. I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, it makes sense. Yeah, how I'm describing that, but save that. Um, and that goes I, – I, my brother was – there is a coach. He's a head girls coach and a boys coach. He had a big moment in a state tournament game a few, year, a few years ago, and they upset a team, and he had just saved – I was talking three-guard front, and the whole game they had just been three-guard front, three-guard front. Well, they needed a bucket. They sprinted the guy through the middle. He hadn't done that the whole game, and he literally went coast-to-coast for a layup um, to win the semifinal game, and he went to the state championship. So they had just saved – 
because they didn't need it. You know, they just save, save, save. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of hard to do sometimes, but have, have some of those counters saved for the big, big moments. Yeah, I, and I, I think you bring up a, a couple of really good things. Like you said, I think it's important that you have at least one press break that you save for uh, the desperate press. That, that, that's the phrasing that you used, Aaron. Uh, something that we haven't shown the entire game. And, and then two, uh, I, I really like your concept of something other than the two-guard front. Uh, it, and I think one of the ways that you can beat pressure is is getting it out quickly before the press can get set up. If you can get your team, you know, quick into offensive transition. If you have now again, that comes with you have to have the personnel, you have to have the right players, you have to have the right point guard. That's where it all starts is having the right point guard for that type of deal. <laughs> but if you don't, having something other than your two guard front being your base press break, your your three guard front. We do a lot of three guard, uh, uh, three player front. And then the 45 degree cut. I think you know I've I've run a lot of press in in my uh, coaching. I, I'm I'm a full I'm a firm believer in we want to put pressure on the ball in some way, shape, or form for the entire full court. I, I think it's just a lot to prepare prepare for, so forth and so on. The thing that gives us the or that has given me the hardest. Uh, problem to to defend is a good solid 45 degree angle cut across the floor and we hammer that hammer that hammer that home with our players that it's not a 60 degree cut it's not a 75 degree cut you've got to go at a 45 degree hard cut and then and it's important for that receiver to shorten that pass they've got to step to the ball a lot of times they think I'm just going to wait here and I'm just going to keep no you've got to step to that thing and receive it receive it well is what we say and to, to ensure that you maintain that possession. So I agree with a lot of the things that you said there, Aaron. Yes. Thank you. That, that, uh, takes me into some of my favorite passing drills. If you want to go to that next, well, I let, got one for Let's go into it. Well. <laughs> let's go into it. Let it rip. Yeah. So, um, we do, we do, I just call it three person passing. I don't know where I stole it from. Um, but early in practice, not necessarily every day, but, probably three times a week maybe uh we have our guys in groups of three and there's just one defender and there's two on offense and they sprint out 10 to 15 feet they got to come back and meet the pass um you could mix it up you could put the defender on the ball or on the person catching the pass and they just got to meet the pass catch rip face then the guy who just passed it sprints they get open catch face sprint get open catch face Mm -hmm. and just meeting the pass with two hands strong um and we actually had a huge and exactly what you say no matter how much you hammer on it we had a huge turnover and it wasn't a press break but it was just a somewhat flat pass and our other guard didn't meet it just enough you know um in that semifinal game it just just goes to show just how basic and fundamental things um, are so important. So we do that a lot um, at the start of practice. And we actually, or I actually, uh, get on our guys quite a bit during that. And they probably think it's odd, like it's the warm-up drill, but I'm out there just yelling and screaming um, for them to rip hard with a pivot and change, I say change levels um, with the ball or with your eyes and um, more PGC things I've, I've probably stolen. and mm-hmm. uh, But uh just hammer that home. So that's one of my favorite simple uh, passing drills, and I'm sure you've seen it or 
probably know what college coach I stole it from. But mm-hmm. uh, Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good-looking stuff here. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And the other, the other one, um, I call it just Villanova shot fake drill. Um, kind of Jay Wright's was where I got it first, yep. but yep. just having our guys around the perimeter, shot fakes, driving, getting the paint, play off of a pivot, kick it out. They're communicating, um, tacking the paint, and, and playing off a pivot and just, just all those things. And um, that's another one we do early. Uh, our guys always, towards the late in the year, the seniors, you know, they get a little – comfortable because they've been around you forever they start to make fun of you and they're guessing they guess your next drill um <laughs> and understand so i blow the whistle and i hear i hear heard a senior the last couple of weeks um you also find that out when you you make a deep deep uh, march run that you have a lot of practices you, you almost <laughs> reach 60 60 practices mm-hmm. uh, so great and, problem so to have though like, <laughs> yeah, they blow. I blow my whistle, and, and a senior kind of would say, Villanova shot fake drill. That's next. You know, like, yep, that's next. You got it. Yep. So. Hey, hey, you know what, though? When you're, when you're that predictable, uh, that means that the kids are in tune to what you're doing, and it's working. If, if you're still playing in March, it's working, and, and you say, yeah, you know what? You may be making fun of me. You may be think this is boring, or you may think, oh, we're doing this again. There's a reason why we're still playing, and this is part of it, you know. And yeah. and I, I think that's a way that you 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 kind of take that little sarcasm and kind of turn it back around on them a little bit as well. So, um, what about ball handling, coach? What do you got for ball handling? Uh yeah, we uh, I can talk a little like the high school level. We actually do, you know, right or wrong. We do very little uh, in season ball handling to be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, now i'm very fortunate we have guys that play a lot of aau basketball we have you know a pretty affluent community that you know these guys have been the skills sessions and all those things um outside um private things right you know but yep. suppose you know we have pretty good ball handlers um definitely compared to when i was like 1a 2a girls you know you'd spend so much time on that um, but in the summers, uh, some things we like to do, uh, we do a lot with like resistance bands. So like a really light resistance band, um, and have your kids, you know, they can go out and back or, um, I always call it the Isaiah Thomas dribble where you retreat dribble, um, on your back foot. You know, we have a hard, guards have a hard time with that still, um, at our level. And just, so we go resistance bands, we go stationary where they're making like 
a V and somebody's holding the band and they have to make like a V. Uh, we go length of the court. We might put two or three bands together and they're going zigzags, whatever. And the resistance band, I don't know how much it actually helps, but they, they think it's cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. and it does, it does make them, it makes them lower their hips, you know, um, from, from that. So I, I know that. And we even do some in the summer, we'll do rebounding straight up. We'll have a chair and we'll have a resistance band on a kid's hip. And another kid will be sitting on the floor holding it at like a 45 angle. And they got to jump up and grab the ball with two hands and come down with balance and land. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that one. I know it's not necessarily ball handling, but another resistance band one. Um, and we had a couple kids that were some JV kids this year that were trying to figure out uh, we lose a great point guard. We lost a great point guard. I guess he's he's done now, but um, I got to come to terms with it. Uh, <laughs> so we knew, you know, these JV games that the point guard minutes were so valuable. Mm-hmm. And we had to, you know, because the kid's going to go from really not playing at all to possibly starting, which is not always a great recipe yep. at the at our level. So. Uh, there were some times after practice we'd take those one or two kids and, and throw some resistance band on them for five minutes, whatever. Um, you know, which I was afraid to do that at first because I wondered what message that sent. Like, oh, I, you know, uh, coach is working with those two guards, but not me. But uh, we'd like to think we've built this culture of, of knowing our roles and um, that kids, you know, should understand, oh, you know, Jimmy and Johnny are – have been playing point guard for JV, you know, whatever. So, um, so we did that a little bit in season, right or wrong. Um, wish we would have done more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, at the youth level, obviously do a lot more youth camp has a ton of it. Um, and I've got some goofy things over the years from camps. Again, if kids think it's fun, especially youth kids or they, it's different. Um, you know, I, I do some where I put a, a basketball and a, gro- a plastic grocery sack, um, and they have to dribble it. Okay. Um, That's interesting. So, so it is. It, uh, I don't remember where I got it. Um, so anyways, the point of it is they have to actually dribble the ball harder, and you tie the grocery sack so it's kind of loose, and it's actually you have to control a little better with your hands. Um, so we'll do like two ball, but one will have a grocery sack on it, one won't, or both will, or whatever. Um, and that's always a fun one for kids. They think it's, you know, it's different and I like it, you know, I've used it for a long time. Um, and then another just simple one is I actually, I have youth kids roll, uh, during two ball, I have them roll one while doing dribbling with the other, whether it's moving or stationary, just to make them lower, bend their knees and, and get lower. Um, and like we use the term sock level dribbles, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kids nowadays wear long socks it's not the no shows that i wore so it makes sense now but that's always the joke on what area you're from when we look at the coach's socks but oh yeah uh, yeah the next yeah shorts are the next era what you're from but (laughs) uh, so those are just some youth ones i i think that people could use that are different and fun enough for kids Mm -hmm. Uh, of any age i mean you could do the grocery bags we could do that with high school kids and they they would you know, they would think it's fun enough, you know, mm-hmm. maybe once in the summer or something. So mm-hmm. do you, uh, do you do a lot with like cones and, and, and working with, with that type of stuff? Is, is that part of your 
regimen? Uh, yeah, we do. I do uh, like some cone. I'll do like cone stacking. So this would probably be more maybe junior high ish. Um, but basically, they weave. You have two lines of cones that they're in the middle of, and they weave one set with a ball, and they have to stack the other set so then they can't look at the ball. Um, and it's actually, I, I'm sure you can find it. I'm sure people can find it somewhere. I'm sure. But uh, I like I like the cone stacking too. It's just different enough, um, and just the I always call it Isaiah Thomas dribble, even though none of the kids know it. But um, just doing zigzags where they have to go up to a cone, retreat, dribble, crossover, up to a cone, retreat, dribble, crossover. Um, do that quite a bit, especially I think that'd be really useful junior high ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's end on this, Aaron. Let's let's talk about your your practice uh, setup. You said you have four. Uh, assistant coaches, uh, you know, and, and, and when you talk about practice setup, I think one of the hard things for coaches is, as a head coach, is kind of letting go of, of some of your responsibilities of delegating to your assistant coaches. Uh, in your practice setup, what are some ways that you've got your practice set up that you can delegate to your assistants and allow them some teaching time? Yeah, so uh, I'll start with I was very fortunate when I got hired two years ago, I got to pretty much hire all my assistants as well. Um, and that was, that was awesome. Um, and they're all teachers. I think that's really valuable. I think it, 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 you can have coaches that aren't teachers at the high school level, but I think it's hard, you Mm -hmm. know, it's another challenge that you, you'd have to coach them and teach them on because they don't know you as a teacher. But anyways, um, so, four assistants that that are that are great have great roles for us and um, we actually put all of our things in a shared google drive folder so my freshman coach is pretty separate from us they practice in the mornings uh so there's a head freshman coach and then there's a freshman assistant and like a jv reserve coach that's with him so those two coaches are are pretty much on their own now they obviously know the systems we're running um and we talk a lot but he's making his own practice plan, all those things. So he has a Google drive folder and I can see all his practice plans. You know, he can see all of mine. Um, he can see all of our base offense, all our baseline out of bounds, you know, all those things are all fast draws are all on Google drive folders. So there, there's a lot of power to having that all right there. Um, you can share that with junior high coaches and say, you know, if you want it, they don't have to run. Um, I've given, uh, let go of some of the, like your junior high does not have to be exact, um, really running everything you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if they know, you know, they need to know your, your standards at the high school level, uh, which they should, but, uh, but kind of how we build practice. Um, and, and I'm very fortunate. My main varsity assistant does the majority of our defense. He does a ton of our, our defensive things. He does the main scout, um, you know, he'll know that the team, every, every set for the other team, he's a film junkie. Um, just, just amazing, um, to do all the defense. So a lot of those things we'll do a defensive buildup early in practice, um, that he's leading. And then I can be more one-on-one with guys. Um, that's kind of a, cause that's actually one thing I miss being a head coach is when you're assistant, you know, you can go have those one-on-one conversations easier. Mm-hmm. And I can say, I can say, you know, hey, Marty, 
you know, you, you just got to have better closeouts. You're just, your closeouts are not good right now. You know, you can do better now. I know you can, and it's not in front of the, everybody, you know, it's just me and him. Um, so, but I'm able to do that now during some of those D sessions, um, that the, the varsity assistants running, uh, which is awesome, you mm-hmm. know, and then it, it just worked great because the varsity assistant, he's very in tune with everything. The other team's running. Um, he's ahead, you know, he's like two days ahead of me on the scout. And then I'm scouting for the, Oh, I'm scouting for our offense. You know, how do they, how do they guard ball screens? How are they, what's their baseline of balance? D all those things. Um, is kind of how we, um, break it up, which right or wrong, but, um, we've had success and we work together well. Um, and then the other assistant that's in practice for me, um, would be like our JV head coach mm-hmm. and, you know, just having a, you know, obviously he'll go work on the JVN with stuff, right? He'll mirror drills. But, um, sometimes if I've been on a guy or the varsity assistant's been on a guy, you know, I might go grab him and I might say, Hey, you gotta, you gotta talk to John, man. He's having a terrible practice. You know, we, we can't, we can't yell at him anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and we all have different styles and, and connect to the kids well. So it, it works out great. Um, but that's kind of the what it would look like in practice um, for those coaches. But they're definitely not they're definitely not standing around watching. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're coaching uh, they're coaching all the time. You know, um, so and I think that's really valuable. And head coaches, you just got to you got to allow it. You got to trust them. Um, you you just have to. Mm-hmm. And if you don't trust them, then you got to coach them or teach them. Uh, into things, be, you know, um, so you do trust him because uh, you just can't do it all. You can't, you can't do it all as a head coach and have success. Um, I think of the level of detail we got to in our postseason run. It was because every assistant had such specific things we were working and scouting and prepping, and um, and we obviously we got those other two coaches involved with our postseason once they were done, and they they had some roles too. Um, not as big a roles, but um, they had they had roles as well. So um, I hope that answers your question. No, that's 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 good stuff, and I, I think it's a great way to uh, to end our podcast this week, Aaron. It's it's uh, really really good there. So, uh, coach, any any social media you want to plug for for yourself or your program? Anybody wants to know more about North Polk uh, boys basketball? You know what do you got? Yeah, we've got a we got a team page. Uh, I think it's NP Boys Hoops, um, or my my Twitter's at Coach Dose. You might see you might see more science teaching uh, tweets on mine, mm-hmm. uh, or fishing fishing club. You know, it's probably pretty random. Uh, but North uh, North Polk Schools does a great job of, of tweeting a bunch of stuff out too. Um, so yeah, check us out on there, and and love talking basketball, and and I'll just say that. This is amazing. I looking through your resources here. One of the first things I'm going to do, I'm actually going to send all my coaches and my junior high coaches and my youth uh, board. I'm going to send them links to your site here, Marty. It's pretty awesome. So I appreciate that, man. That's, that's appreciate what you do. And and there's not a there's not a lot of places that have great great content um, for people that just want to get better at coaching. So really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Aaron. I, I I really appreciate that. I hope that 
you know, kind of the whole purpose of of this whole thing is is to help, you know, basically grassroots coaches, high school coaches, uh, in large part, to to get better. But it's been amazing uh, talking to you college coaches i've talked to some you know professional coaches and using stuff from the website or podcasts or whatever stuff on twitter uh it's been pretty cool so uh, i i really appreciate that 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 uh that compliment does not go unnoticed it is it is greatly greatly appreciated aaron so um you have to come over for our coaches clinic uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, get your get you and your staff signed up and explore the Ponca Hills of of Nebraska here. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, sounds so great. check check that out on Twitter. So, uh, Coach, again, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, I, I you know hope you enjoyed your time on the podcast. It, w- it it was great having you on here. It was it was great conversation. I wrote down quite a few things here. I, I love the. Uh, the bigs, you know, they need to adjust to the press. I came up while you were talking. At one point, I was kind of redesigning a drill that we do based on passing and ball handling. So, you know, really, really good uh, good stuff, Coach. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate you, too. Yeah. If you can hold the line here in just a second, Aaron, uh, we got to wrap up some things here again. Aaron Dose, the uh, head boys basketball coach at North Polk High School, uh, North Polk, Iowa, just north of Ankeny there. Got some family down in the Ankeny area, so very familiar with that area of Iowa. So uh, thanks to Coach. Uh, again, thanks to uh, Cossack Chiropractic for being our founding sponsor. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review. Again, subscribe. Give us five stars. Anything you can do to help out the podcast, it is greatly appreciated. Email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go to a penandanapkin.com. Uh, it's, uh, as Coach referenced there, I really appreciate that. It's a, a, you know, a website that I've put together with resources for coaches to take a look at. So check that out there. And, and uh, just appreciate everybody's time, energy, efforts here. And, and again, appreciate Coach uh, for coming on here. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day.